Now, why do mainland companies and corporate governance regulations on the mainland need a boost from outside, and particularly Hong Kong? Many academics and policymakers have advocated change from the inside on the mainland. Namely, the mainland government should be responsible for improving corporate governance practices in its territory. However, as we know, there are serious data that cause us to question whether the mainland government can improve corporate governance regulations, not to mention practices, over the longer term. We see that since the adoption of China's corporate governance code, most of these dimensions of corporate governance, as we see in the infographic here, have improved. Yet we see that such improvement has not been consistent over the various dimensions of corporate governance, which we look at in our paper. So, for example, we look at several dimensions of corporate governance. And as you can see, we show those which have fallen behind in roughly the five years since the code was adopted. While mainland regulators' achievements in passing some sort of corporate governance regulations is laudable, we see that there remains much room for improvement. The next infographic will show us why. One of the reasons for this lack of improvement might trace to the relatively abstract nature of the code itself. In this infographic, we show some of the principles and some of the legal language outlined in the mainland's Code of Corporate Governance. And as we see, any court or company would have serious problems trying to define operationally many of these principles. More worryingly, roughly half of this code of corporate governance encourages companies to obey laws found in other parts of Chinese law. If the corporate governance regulations themselves do not inspire confidence, we see that the incentives for reform paint an even bleaker picture. This infographic shows the number of offshore incorporations for mainland clients vis-a-vis -vis the number of millionaires in various metropolitan areas on the mainland. And what we see is that as the number of millionaires increase in a particular city, so too do the number of offshore incorporations. Naturally, this might just be a scale effect such that bigger cities attract both more millionaires and more offshore structures. However, the lack of correlation with regard to some cities, such as Guangzhou, Hangzhou, and Shenzhen, suggest relatively robust demand for these offshore entities, and indeed that these millionaires may depend on these offshore companies in order to secure their fortune. What we don't show in this deck of infographics is the political logic of the mainland's current corporate governance arrangements. Most authors point to the social objectives that the government places on mainland companies, such that companies cannot adopt good corporate governance practices because they are responsible to the Communist Party and the government more generally for engaging in particular kinds of political or social activities. Thus, it's in the interest of both the company and the government to hide particular types of transactions from investors and other stakeholders. 
So if this internal logic of governance on the mainland militates for relatively poor corporate governance practices, then any impetus for reform has to come from outside this system. Now, what would be the benefits of such a foreign-sourced boost for mainland corporate governance practices? This infographic shows the percent of offshore corporate vehicles associated with large-scale corruption investigations. First, we see that most of these investigations and prosecutions for corruption and other harmful corporate governance practices had to be done extraterritorially that we couldn't rely on national rules in order to catch and prosecute these malefactors. These data also show that not only were offshore corporations important, but also closely linked to various crimes and poor corporate governance practices, but so too were offshore bank accounts. Because of the offshore nature of these incorporations and bank account openings, this strongly suggests that there has to be some kind of international dimension to closing the avenues available to corporate directors and managers that use these structures in order to hurt their corporations and siphon off money. The other argument for such a foreign boost comes from the infographic you see in front of you. This infographic shows China's place relative to other jurisdictions and the effect that stricter corporate governance rules might have on its companies. So for example, corporate governance rules related to accounting and related to shareholder protection, we see significant improvement in abnormal returns, especially for companies from jurisdictions with relatively poor accounting investor protection rules, as well as from those jurisdictions that have only medium rating regulations governing the protection of investors. We do see an increase in delistings of companies from these jurisdictions, and we note particularly the large effect that investor protection regulations have on these delisting trends. These data strongly suggest that the U.S. Sarbanes-Oxley and Dodd-Frank rules both of which have very stringent corporate governance regulations attached to them. Both these regulations had strong market improving effects on particular types of companies and that Chinese companies in particular exhibit those traits which of the companies that most benefited from Sarbanes-Oxley and later Dodd-Frank.